Let us turn in God's Word again to Proverbs chapter 27. <clears throat> Proverbs 27 and verses 23 to 27. Proverbs 27, verse 23. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds. For riches are not forever, and doth the crown endure to every generation. The hay appeareth, and the tender grass showeth itself, and the herbs of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are for thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the field. And thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food, for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance for thy maidens. Amen. And so we continue then, the subject, take stock of your life. And this morning uh, we considered particularly this, uh, the necessity of doing this in terms of material things, in terms of the possessions that God gives in this world and the responsibilities and duties we have in this world and this evening with God's help concerning spiritual things. Now as I said this morning uh, that in dividing uh, the, the subject into material and spiritual things and our responsibilities in each area it's not to uh, on the one hand say that they, they, uh, they're not connected at all. Uh, I trust that we uh, could see that you could see that how very much how the our responsibilities in terms of material things is very much related to uh, the condition of our heart and our responsibilities are before God and we're to be seeking God's glory in these things and also when we come when I say that this evening we'll be considering our responsibilities in terms of spiritual things uh, that's not to say that uh, those matters we considered this morning and our responsibilities upon the earth are unimportant and uh, it's not unspiritual to have a proper regard uh, and concern for our, to our possessions and our duties on the earth. But it is to recognise that the spiritual and our spiritual, uh, and spiritual things are higher than uh, material things. And if we ought to show a diligence concerning earthly things and that which God has entrusted to us upon the earth, then how much more ought we to have uh, concern to show diligence concerning heavenly things and the things that are eternal. And uh, the things that are seen, the Bible says, are temporal and they pass away. But the things that are not seen, they are eternal. And so whether we're uh, thinking of our souls and each one of us has a never dying soul, an immortal soul. Whether the things of heaven and of hell, these things are eternal. And we ought to have, if we are to have a diligence and carefulness concerning material things, how much more ought we not to have a concern, a care, a care a diligence, and show diligence as regards eternal things? And. Uh, Want to read some verses? We see something of this comparison in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 16 to 18. For which cause we faint not, 
For though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us the far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. See, we do have to do with the things that are seen. Uh, we are seen, and God has given us bodies. We live on this earth, uh, and, and we see these things, and we have responsibilities there. But we are to be looking at, fixed upon, focused on those things that are not seen, which are eternal. And so also, so then, I want to consider then tonight, and thinking on this subject of taking stock, of considering where things are at, to be doing so in regard to spiritual things. And under those same, those same headings as, uh, as this morning, firstly, careful management, secondly, long-term investment, and thirdly, provision, paramount. And so then in verse 23, firstly, careful management. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. We must be diligent concerning the resources God has given us on this earth. We must also be diligent and even more so concerning that which God has given to us, especially our never dying souls and the souls of those that are under our care. And the Bible speaks often concerning that diligence that is required in terms of these things. And so we read there in Proverbs 4 verse 23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And a great part of keeping the heart, if we look in those uh, verses surrounding in Proverbs chapter 4 and particularly from verse 20 to 27, but these are things throughout the book of Proverbs has to do with what uh, the instruction that you're receiving, the teaching that you are receiving, and whether you're seeking wisdom or not, and if you would have life, uh, if you would have eternal life, that you would be seeking that wisdom that is from above. And to be not going on carelessly, but to be thoughtfully going on. And so in verse 26 there in Proverbs 4, Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. So there's a carefulness. Not just going whichever way the wind might push you. Not just going with the flow. Not just uh, riding the current downstream, wherever it might take. But looking what is ahead of you. Thinking about the path that you would take. Keep thy heart with all diligence. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 11 and 12, Paul says, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And so what we see there is from, from these passages is that the biblical teaching, and we see so much in the book of Proverbs concerning diligence and working hard and not being slothful and lazy, 
that that's not only about the work of our hands and things in this world. That has also a particular application to the spiritual things and to the things concerning life, eternal life, concerning our souls, that we are to be giving diligence. Diligence is required concerning ourselves. And that requires knowledge, even as to be diligent. Uh, the, the Solomon says, Be diligent to know the state of thy flocks, look well to thy herds. If you're going to care for, for your flocks and herds, you have to know them, you have to know where they're at. How are they going? And so, if there will be any care for our souls, there must, there must be a knowledge of, of where we are at. There must be a, a, a knowing of the state of your heart. Are you converted? Are you truly converted? The scriptures are full, uh, often speak of those uh, who think they are, and yet they're not. Those who come to the Lord saying, Lord, Lord. And yet Christ says, depart from me, I never knew you. Why do you say, Lord, Lord, when you don't do the things that I say? And so there's a carefulness required, a diligence required as regards spiritual things. Take stock. Where are you with the Lord? And if you are the Lord, if you look and say, yes, I am. Are you going forward? Are you going backward? Where are you? Careful management. We need to be asking ourselves honest, uh, asking ourselves hard questions and answering honestly before God. But not only regarding ourselves, regarding others. See, here Solomon speaks of thy flocks and thy herds, and we can take it in the most literal sense, of course. Uh, and it applies most literally, then there's the application to those possessions that, that God gives and responsibilities, but also that the Bible uses this language of uh, concerning those who are under care, under the care uh, of, of others in different contexts. And so it speaks of flocks or gardens or, or fields or plants requiring attention and care. And so whether, whether we're thinking of, in this case, agriculture, in terms of animal husbandry, or whether we're thinking of, of the growing of plants in the garden or in the field, uh, whatever it is, there, there needs to be a knowledge, a knowledge of wh where is the soil at and what does it need and what does this plant need and how's it going there and, and how's this animal going and so it is in terms of different situations that we find in life, different jurisdictions, different contexts. Uh, today, I'm not, not going to speak so much concerning rulers of nations. There's application there. The Bible speaks of rulers of nations as shepherds at different times. And they're to have a responsibility. They're to have a care for the people they're governing. But in particular, to mention uh, three situations uh, that in the church and of elders in the church, those governing, those teaching, ministers and governing elders. The, there's application here. Be diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. We see in Acts 20 verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers 
to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Now notice here, and this is important, we'll come back to that. Take care to yourself and to the flock of God. And that applies, it's said specifically in a few different situations, particularly in terms of elders and ministers, but that applies in each situation. Take heed to yourself, know yourself, consider yourself, and then others. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. It's talking about in the church. And submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And uh, the particular uh, words to notice not so much concerning the duty of believers to, to uh, their rulers in the church, but the duty, the responsibility of those rulers. They watch for your souls as they that must give account. That requires knowledge. That requires diligence. That requires uh, that which the, the same diligence that Solomon is speaking of. So in the context of the church, also then, uh, coming into the family and in marriage and particularly for husbands husbands are uh, to show this care as regards their wives not only physically and materially yes but spiritually concerning the state of their souls and the care of their souls Ephesians 5 verse 29 for no man ever yet hated his own flesh but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord, the church. See that, see that language of, of caring, as you might care for a plant as you, uh, and, and to, to water it and to feed it and, that it might, and to protect it, that it might grow and to, to care for it. Well, that, that same language applies. Uh, also, 1 Peter 3, verse 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honour unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and has been heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. And in particular there, noticing, dwell with them according to knowledge. Now that's just, and, and that's a particular knowledge, that each husband has been given a particular wife. A particular wife, and he is to know her. Not just that she is a woman, uh, who he happens to be married to her, and she has particular physical needs, but he has to know her, who she is, her particular uh, well, strengths and weaknesses, her particular concerns, her particular afflictions. Be diligent to know the state of thy flocks, of those under your care. And then also, parents. In Ephesians 6 and verse 4, <clears throat> And ye fathers... Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Notice again the word nurture. There is that care, that, that nourishment, that providing for and protecting. And it's not only in terms of physical things, but spiritual things, that of the Lord. It belongs there with discipline and instruction and these things. Also, and, and what it does say fathers and that's where the responsibility lies, uh, rests finally in their household but this is the responsibility of parents and the raising of their children 
Also Psalm 103, 13 and 14. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. And there is God in regard to us and his long-suffering and his patience with us. But there's that example, isn't there? This is how it ought to be of parents, of fathers, of parents with their children, knowing their children, knowing their faces, knowing their states in that sense. Be diligent to know yourself and the state of your own soul. Be diligent to know as far as you are able, being man and not God, because God looks upon the heart. We can't see the heart, but we can see fruit, we can see life. To know the state of thy flocks. And so in each situation, whether in the church, in marriage, in the family, if there would be that particular care given that's required and that we are accountable to God for, there has to be a knowledge undergirding that care. That being an elder, being a husband, being a parent is not paint by numbers. You know, those colouring books, children, you've done have you done those colouring pictures? And there are, it's all the, the, the picture is divided up into different uh, different blocks and they have a different number in there and the, you look at that number it says number one you look down and it says well number one is brown so you colour all those bits brown and so on but that is not how what life in this world is like that is not how it is with the raising of children or the loving of wives or the caring for the people of God there has to be particular knowledge yes a knowledge of the Bible a knowledge of God's word and we can learn uh, from, from other believers concerning principles as well that they have, have found helpful in, in uh, helping us from the word of God but there needs to be knowing the particular ones that are, have been entrusted to us our flocks and herds as it were and so where you think of yourself where are you at Think of those God has placed under your care. Where are they at? What is the state of their heart? Are they converted? Are they growing? Are they sliding back? Not because we are the judge of all and, and to, to make decisions in these things, but because we are required to, to give care to them as we'll come to. So careful management required in terms of these spiritual things. Then secondly, again, long-term investment. For riches are not forever, and doth the crown endure to every generation. The hay appeareth, and the tender grass showeth itself. And the herds of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are for thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the field. And so the king's son was not to just rest in his privilege. He was not to just think that uh, as well as things were going, so they would go. He was to have a concern for the mundane matters of sheep and goats and fields and so on. 
was a uh, that was a lasting investment. And so here, in terms of spiritual things, as we might undertake a spiritual stock take, where are things at? What do we have? How are things going? It's important that we have a long-term view. And part of that, the great part of that means not presuming. Not presuming on the past, not presuming on the present, not presuming on the future. And what do I mean? Well, we can presume on the past, and this is as regards ourselves or others, when we look back to things that have been done. When we look back to professions made. When we look back to books read, to doctrines studied and, and attained, we think. When we look back to prayers said, when we look back to, to things that have been done, when we look back and say, well, because that was done, all is well. And perhaps you've come across, I mean, I've certainly come across uh, different Christians, genuine Christians who uh, might be older and lamenting where they've seen children go off into the world, those who have walked among the people of God, made a profession, in, uh, been baptised, made a profession, so on. And they're off in the world and living like the devil, literally. And yet, there's a comfort. Well, they're safe, they're covered by the blood. They're safe, they're in. It doesn't matter effectively what they are doing. That's presumption. That's not faith. That's not, that's not even looking to, to covenant privilege and asking that God will remember covenant mercies. But presumption there. And we're not to be presuming, even as Solomon's son was not to presume on that the riches he, the, the, the environment he lived in would continue forever or that the crown would just be his uh, assuredly and, and uh, he would never have to worry about the sheep or the goats. We're not to presume on the past. Neither ought we presume on the present. And what I mean is that we ought not to presume well, well, we're not to presume on the use of means. And that is that God gives us means. God gives us instruments, things to, to, things to do and to use that we might know Him, that we might uh, draw near to Him. He gives us His Word that we might know who He is and His will for us. He sets Himself before us in these things. In the public worship of God, there uh, Christ is preached to us and to our children. And we're to use these things. We're to be taking ourselves and our, our families along to the public worship of God and under the preaching of the Word. But we're not to be trusting in them as if because we're doing these things, because I'm reading my Bible every day, because... Uh, because we're having family worship every day and my children are, are, are there and are under the sound of the word because I'm in church every Lord's Day and twice a Lord's Day and because my children are there with me and others are there with me and with us therefore 
they must be saved. Therefore they are saved. Therefore all is well. We must beware of trusting in means. Yes, we are to use the means. But we are to seek to God would work through them. We're not to be trusting in them. Not to be because that ends up being a trusting in men. Ends up being a trusting in ourselves. Not to be thinking that uh, they work automatically in any sense. No, the Spirit blows and goes as He wills. And also, I mentioned the future. You know, the king could look, the prince could think, well, yes, I'll be just king, and then my son will be king, and so on, and everything will be well. We have a liberty now to be worshipping the Lord without fear of persecution. We have a liberty to be teaching our children, uh, to be gathering in our homes without having to think we have to hide our Bibles or, or anything like that. We have the Scriptures. We have access to them. We ought not to presume that it will always be so. We ought not to presume that we'll always have uh, such access uh, to the Word of God as we do. You know, we presume upon it we have such access to God's Word we have so many copies of His Word in our homes uh, that's unimaginable historically. And even in the world today, whether we're thinking of the wealth that we have uh, in, in many ways comparative to others, uh, but in terms of access to the Word of God compared to those where they don't have it in their own native tongue uh, and let alone where there are scriptures in their own language that... The, that they might have a copy in a family and be thankful for that, let alone stories that we hear of from, you know, from the, where the was behind the Iron Curtain or other parts of the, the world where, where there's great persecution of, of a copy being shared uh, among, among brethren and going or doing the rounds. And what were they doing then? They're, they're taking the word and devouring it and, and hiding God's word in their heart. Not, we, 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 we have it so easy. And we take for granted the access that we have now. There we have the Bible. We, have, we can access it on our phones, on our computers. How long will that be? Don't presume upon the future, even as we think, think too. Uh, a, a different scenario. You, uh, parents with your children in, in your home with you, you have them there uh, access to them in terms of the, the instruction of the word and, and in, in family worship, conversation that's not going to be forever they will go now under whether other circumstances happy or unhappy but they will go they will not be with you forever and so the time that you have now don't presume that will be forever so there's that when I speak of long-term investment and thinking long-term, not to be presuming in that sense, but that ultimately also, isn't it true that the long, the widest view and the longest view that we need to take is that of eternity? That we need to be remembering those things that are not seen. Because we are so easily taken up with the things of this world. Yes, we have responsibilities. Yes, we have duties and we're to be diligent in those things. But how readily we're taken up with this world for ourselves and for others. 
And so we, we can be so taken up with wanting a happy life, a life without trouble, without hardship, to have a, a, a happy marriage, a happy family, at least one without contention, you know, largely peaceful, for our children, that we can, we can fall into that same thing, that, that, that same line of thinking of the world, that, that we'll be happy so long as they're healthy and successful in whatever area that they, they want to go into. In the church, that, that there, there can be the, the, the trap, we could call it perhaps a, a maintenance mode, and I'm certainly not, not speaking against that, that continuing week after week and coming to worship God and maintaining the worship of God in that sense, but that, that we can, this can become external and that uh, the, the, the elders can be just content with having the services and, and, and keeping, keeping the, the, the members happy and, and so long as they're visited from time to time and whatever it might be. But these things, this, they, they, they're just external. We need to be looking to those things that are eternal. Thinking about our own souls, thinking about our children's souls, thinking about our, our wives' souls as husbands, thinking about uh, the souls of those in the congregation, the souls of each other, thinking about eternal things. And then thirdly, provision is paramount. And that is, that is the purpose. Even as the purpose of, of having in this world to glorify God ultimately, but for provision of your own needs and of your household. Thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food, for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance of thy maidens. And so also, when the scriptures speak of this care of the flock of God and under the care of under shepherds of the flock, the little flock in the family under the care of parents and, and ultimately the father, uh, the, the father in the home, that it is that there would be provision and spiritual provision. And we see that some of the scriptures uh, we've read, there's that language of feeding and providing for those under care. Also in Matthew 24, verse 45 and 46. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his house, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. So there is the man, uh, and, and there the Lord is gone away on a long journey. He's gone into heaven. There is Christ in the heavens. Uh, awaiting uh, his enemies being made a footstool under his feet and when he will return and judge all and he has left servants over his household and we particularly look in terms of the church and, and the government there but also application in the family those whom God has made stewards to be, what are they to be doing? to be giving them meat in due season to be giving food at the right time and, and it will be food as appropriate to each one. And so we might look at what Paul speaks of elsewhere, and that there are those uh, who can handle only meat, those who are babes uh, in Christ, and those who 
handle only milk, I mean, and those who are babes in Christ, and those who need strong meat. And, and this is what the servant of God will do in, in the different contexts. And that requires, again, knowledge. Not paint by numbers, but knowing the flock, knowing where the flock is at. In 1 Peter 5, verse 2 and 3, to the elders, Peter writes, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. Again, feed the flock of God which is among you. Feed, and what is that? That is with the word of God. That is that which we need to live. We don't live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then again, Acts 20, verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves, and, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. And just in thinking of Paul's words there, I mean even here Solomon, what does he say? Verse 27, Thou shalt have goat milk enough for thy food and the food of thy household and for the maintenance of thy maidens. So work with your hands the thing that is good to provide for your own needs and those with you. And so when we come also to spiritual things, take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourself and to those that are under your care. Notice the priority there as elsewhere. Look to yourself first. Now that's not selfish. It's essential. Where are you at with God? And that's going to come to some things there in a moment, particularly in more detail. Where are you at with God? Now at the same time, as in as much as you are, if, if you're just by yourself in that sense, and unattached and without, not in a situation of authority and responsibility, that is where your focus must absolutely be. But as soon as you're married, as soon as you have children, as soon as you're in a position of responsibility in the church of God and in other situations, you are to be doing that and at the same time looking to the needs, to the necessities of others. The priority is us. And so that that is key. Yourself and to the flock. Yourself first, then the flock. Why is it important? Because there is to be that example. There is to be that example. There's in samples to the flock. But also then, if there is reproof required, it needs, it needs to come from a situation not of sinless perfection because it won't. It won't be because none of us are but from a place of humility, from a place of knowing your own sin and of seeking the Lord's mercy and in that context bringing, uh, bringing that 
harder care in that sense. And we can think of what Christ says in Matthew 7, verse 1 to 5. Judge not, that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? But considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. And so it's not, well, let everyone do uh, their own thing, and you're a sinner, so you can't say anything. No, it's deal with your sin, and dealing with it, then go to your brother, then to those uh, under your care. So, want to, I want to finish, or close, with some particular application and, and a, a bunch of questions in that sense for us to be asking ourselves in terms of these things and, and, and thinking on a few passages. And, and firstly, those words, take heed to yourself. Because while they're, well, to, to various of you, there will be flocks under your care. We must begin with ourselves. We must take stock. And the first area where we must take stock, and we need to do this more than once a year, and we need to do it honestly, asking ourselves the hard question and seeking the Lord in it, is examine yourself, whether you be in the faith, whether Christ be in you. Are you truly one of the Lord's? And to ask the question, that's not to descend into a spiral of introspection and, and so on, as, as people might accuse, but it is to seek to be honest to God, to be those who are not self-deceived, that we would not be those who are going on in self-deception and hypocrisy, but honestly asking, am I one of the Lord's? And we've been considering and there are so many helps in the scriptures questions to be asking to be considering ourselves as to the promises of God and our trust in them as to our love for God as to our love for his word as to our love for his people the first epistle of John so helpful in terms of those things but ask yourself and, and seek the Lord in that time that if you're not sure and if there are questions and if there are doubts go to God and ask and seek and knock until you can rest uh, confidently in Him. So is there true repentance? Is there genuine faith? And then ask, and thinking of what Peter says at the end of the second epistle, chapter 3, verse 18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Are you growing in the knowledge of God? Look back on the year gone. Have you grown in the knowledge of God? Do you understand more of, of who God is and what God is like? Do you understand more of the Word of God? Are there parts of God's Word that as you've been reading through it this year or, or have heard it read and heard it preached that, you're, that you now think, 
yes, I understand that part of God's word now. And, and, and alongside that question, is that knowledge, uh, that which is, is rooted, is it grounded? Or is it more than just speculative knowledge? Is it more than just intellectual? Is it that which, which you know something more about God and you love Him more for it? And you, you've learned something more of His will? And you've been enabled to walk in that way more perfectly, not perfectly, but more perfectly, more consistently. And are you growing in the grace of God? And that's asking more than do you know something more of, uh, about grace and, and the doctrines of grace, but, but is that grace at work in you? And do you see evidence of that and, and the fruit of the Spirit there? And looking also, looking, ask yourselves these things, and, and also looking forward. Because we'll look back and there will undoubtedly be disappointments. Because we are sinners. And we fail, we fall again and again. But the righteous man, he falleth seven times, but he getteth up again. The Lord raises him up. But looking forward, how will you go on? Take stock in, in that sense of your spiritual resources. Take, take stock of where things are at. And what do you need? And, and seek to be particular. <clears throat> what I mean is this. Some of you will have particular goals for the year ahead. You might have had particular goals for the year gone in terms of, say, fitness or strength or, or, uh, or, or such things. And you've perhaps set things in place to get there. Schedules or routines or training or, or dietary or whatever it might be. You might have the same for the year ahead. Particular strategies. I'm not talking about 12 steps to holiness or anything like that, but, but there is this comparison. And perhaps let's, read, let's go there now. We read, we read it, 1 Timothy chapter 4. There's that comparison, isn't there, in the scriptures between bodily exercise and exercise unto godliness. And it's right and good that there be a diligence in bodily exercise to a measure. What do we read there in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8? But refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness, for bodily exercise profiteth little but godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come see bodily exercise compared to exercise unto godliness is hardly uh, hardly matters it profits little it doesn't benefit much compared to godliness that's that's the little there yet Paul doesn't say it doesn't profit. He doesn't say bodily exercise is unprofitable. What is unprofitable? Profane and old wise fables. That's unprofitable. Bodily exercise profits little or a little, we could say. And in terms of bodily exercise, and we've considered these things uh, at other times, but, but it is uh, appropriate that there be strategies and training and, and so on. How much more, in terms of exercise unto godliness, should we not be carefully considering, where am I up to? What is my fitness level 
Where am I at spiritually? And what do I need to do? And what... uh, The answer we could, of course, say, well, pray, read the Bible, and yes. But also we can look at particulars. And I just want to look over in 2 Peter chapter... Chapter 1, 2 Peter, chapter 1, and there in verse 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. There. Make your calling and election sure. And give diligence to do so. So that you won't fall. So that you'll gain heaven by the grace of God. And that God will be glorified. And what does Peter say? How can this be done if you do these things? What are these things? We look back in verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. So you see there, there's a, the Lord sets before us a schedule. So faith, it's by faith that we're saying, there is the Christian. Now, Christian, Peter says, would you... Know and be assured that you are the Lord's. Would you know that you are one of God's elect and, 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 and have that sure hope of heaven? Add to your faith these things. And so we give... So, there. What should I be looking for and searching the Scriptures for and asking God in particular to grow in me, to teach me virtue? Knowledge, temperance, patience, and so on. And in terms of these things, and, and, and in terms of God's law, in terms of His commandments, in, in terms of the, the, the instruction of Scripture, ask. Again, stock take. Where, where are things at? What areas do you need to grow in? What are your weaknesses? What are, do you know the particular temptations that, that, that you fall into again and again? What are you doing about it? When we're talking about maintaining property, when we're talking about maintaining flocks and herds, when we're talking about plans for... Uh, for the future, for our flocks and herds, plans for the future, for you know, fitness or whatever it might be, we look at resources, don't we? Things that we might need to purchase, to invest in. What do you need to purchase, as it were, to gain in godliness? What do you need to get in Proverbs? I think it was in chapter 4, was it? That uh, Solomon says numbers of times 
get wisdom. With all your getting, get understanding. That is the thing. That is the chief thing. Buy wisdom. Don't sell it off. Don't sell it for anything. So where do we go? To the Word of God and in prayer. That has to be the chief answer. But ask again. How are you going to do that? Are you going to are you going to be reading through the scriptures? Are you going to be reading and studying particular uh, passages? Are you going to be memorizing particular scriptures in regard to those particular temptations? Hiding God's word in your heart that you wouldn't sin against Him in those ways. These are the things that we can and ought to take opportunity to consider, not just once a year, but be considering ourselves before God. And for ourselves, then also for the flock entrusted to us. Again, we don't know the hearts of others. We hardly know ourselves. But we are to be considering, seeking to know where where are those who are under our care at? And we might ask the same, and so we can ask that in marriage, of, of husbands with particular responsibility, of parents, fathers and mothers in terms of their children. Where are my children at? Am I praying for them? Are you praying for them individually in relation to particular weaknesses, particular temptations, particular struggles that they have? Do you perceive that they are the Lord's? Are you praying for them in that regard? Are they, uh, in terms of as elders, in terms of the flock of God, asking these questions? As regard, as also we can say the same thing concerning friends, concerning loved ones. Are they converted? Are they growing? Are they backsliding? What are their struggles? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What are their temptations? And what are you going to do about it? Pray, of course. Pray for one another. And then, depending on the situation, using the means in marriage, husbands are to be washing their wives with the word, imitating Christ who loved his, his bride, the church, and gave himself for it. <clears throat> Read there in Ephesians chapter 5 that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church now husbands are not their wives saviors but they are to imitate Christ in, in that care for the soul of their wife and, and, and that nourishing and cherishing her also spiritually in terms of our children regular family worship but also that sitting with them and that standing with them and that walking with them in the Word and, and speaking about what's going on in the world from the Word and praying with them and praying for them. The Lord calls us to diligence in terms of all that He's given us, in terms of material things, the things of this world. We have a responsibility with to glorify to glorify him in it. But also concerning our souls, 
concerning the souls of those under our care. But in all this, we entrust ourselves to God and we need to. And to close with these words from Jude, Jude 24 and 25. Remembering God and His grace and His glory, now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Saviour, the glory and majesty, dominion and power, as now and ever. Amen. Let us stand up and pray to God. Our Father in heaven, naturally we go our own way. And that would be a way of ease, a way of sloth, a way that would please ourselves and not thee. And yet thou dost call us to diligence, thou dost call us to work, to work hard. The world understands and esteems diligence in material things those in the world can see profit there and yet so often well they do not see that which is eternal but Lord God thou in thy word has set these things before us the reality of our never dying souls the reality of God in heaven of an eternity either in heaven with God or in hell under torment Thou hast revealed these things to us and that we might not live just for this world. Enable us also at this, uh, this day on the, the cusp of the new year to be considering ourselves before Thee, to be knowing ourselves, to be asking the hard questions, to be examining ourselves in the light of thy word and ready to, to be, speak openly and honestly before thee. We do ask that thou would be comforting thy children, thou would be granting much grace and, and diligence in making their calling and election sure and to be adding to their faith virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and such things that there would be that assurance of thy love and good works for thy glory and where there are doubts and fears and troubles in those who are thine for much grace to be dealing with them to be knowing <coughs> to be resisting temptation to be putting away sin to be going on in grace and in thy knowledge and that thou would Lord God enable that where there is hypocrisy where there is presumption where there is just an external form of religion that thou would expose it expose it to to the individuals expose it to each one uh, that there would be a turning if it be thy will and in knowing that Thou art ready to receive sinners. 
uh, and to forgive and to cleanse. And he asked for grace as those given the responsibility for the souls of others, whether it be as uh, husbands in their marriage, as parents of their children, as elders, particularly in thy church, for grace to be considering first ourselves and then those under our care, and for diligence to be taking up the means thou hast appointed. We pray that thou would make those means, thy word especially, effective to the salvation of sinners and their building up in holiness and comfort unto the end. We do ask that thou would go with us uh, as we come to the close of this time of worship and the remainder of thy Sabbath day and in the week that lies ahead and enable that thou would be glorified. We ask through Christ our Saviour. Amen.